Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for tuning Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, it's Bloom Bras. Yes, Bloom Bras. Their founder and CEO, Elise K, is on. I cannot even wait. I have a lot to learn in this category. I'm not an expert, um, but I have a feeling we're all going to learn and you're all going to learn about this amazing new brand. Elise, it's so great having you on the podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I know. I couldn't wait to meet you. Um, I had so much fun like rapping with you a little bit before we hit record, and I can't even wait to hear your background and story. Um, let's do this. Before we talk about the product and the company, share a little bit about what you were doing before launching this brand. I know you were in product marketing and business development and product management. Like, Share a little bit about your story beforehand. Absolutely. So my background was kind of uh, all over the map. So I started in marketing, but very early on in my career became obsessed with product development and really this combination of what a customer wanted, what a consumer would buy and what a manufacturer could actually produce. And so through my career, I worked on the front end side of innovation, the marketing side, and then moved back and forth between sourcing as well. So uh, when I decided I was going to launch my own company, I knew all of the uh, the ups, the downs, the lefts, and the rights, which is why I wrote the original business plan in <laughs> 1999, but did not do anything about oh my it gosh. until 2015. Oh my gosh. So why didn't you do anything with it when you had the idea? And then what finally triggered you to, to do something with it? Well, since we both come from the uh, the exciting world of consumer products, yes. we know how um, how many fail, right? Great ideas uh, might be wrong timing, might be wrong execution, but it takes so much time, energy, and money to actually get a product produced. And so totally. for me, I kept saying, when somebody else addresses this very big issue, I can't wait to buy the product. And lo and behold, um, 15, 16 years later, nobody had. And so it became the thing that kept me up every single night. And uh, wow. I was obsessively collecting information and um, decided if I didn't do it right then and there, I was never going to do it. Wow. All right. So um, that's really, really cool. So you decided to make the jump. And you're going to go take this plan, this idea for this product. Uh, it's somewhat like a sports bra, right? And remember, I'm not the expert. So you have to explain all the women <laughs> listening are like, okay, just Justin, you just let her tell the story. Um, <laughs> so tell us what Bloom Bras are and what makes them unique and whatnot. Absolutely. So taking a step back even further, 70% of women in the U.S. are a D cup or above. The average dress size is somewhere between a 14 and a 16, which is the equivalence of a 44 or 46 band. The women in the audience will probably uh, relate to that. The men right. in the audience They're like, probably. What? <laughs> right. They might know. So to, they might know. To give you an example, um, Nike only goes up to a 38D. So none of the major brands were actually addressing this issue. And so when I ran my first half marathon, I did what a lot of women do, which is I wore an underwire bra under a sports bra. And I had no skin left from the chafing at the Ow. end of the half marathon. And so I took to the internet and I started to look to see, and there were 
thousands and thousands and thousands of women who were commenting with the same complaints that I was. And so I said, you know, it's really not a design flaw. It's an engineering challenge. So if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it as an engineer. So I brought people in from NASA and the shipping and packaging industry, as well as I uh, got connected with the woman who does all of the corsetry work for Oprah and Aretha Franklin, but also for all the opera singers and ballet dancers out there. So brought them together and said, this is the concept. This is what I'm looking to do. I want to create something that's adjustable and comfortable and breathable and has no underwire for health reasons. And um, after a couple of really, really, really fun uh, sessions, we created the Bloom Bra. Wow, that's cool. Now, how did you know those people? Did you have to have others help you with figuring out who to call and how to kind of get that initial design? I'll call it a design team, but like, I, I, where did, how did that come together? You know, I, um, I essentially didn't take no for an answer. So I would pick <laughs> nice. up the phone and I would call and anybody who would, who would talk to me, I would talk to them. And, and lo and behold, uh, if you call enough people, you can get enough people to actually answer. And, um, and because it was such a, a strong unmet need, I mean, I had a all female team working with me. So, um, that also helped to, um, you know, I would say give some flame to the fire to actually get this done. Sure. And so you got, you get a group together and you're like, Hey, I have this idea. I've written a business plan for it. I think it's pretty cool. There's nothing on the market for it. Let's come up with a design or, 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 or a way to approach it. How do you go from that to like getting an initial prototype made? So I, I had my initial prototype made, um, with, I would say Frankenstein materials. And then my background in sourcing came in and I reached out to probably 60 factories around the world. And, um, lo and behold, eventually, uh, through some cores and, and I, and it's a technical product. So, um, it was very important that whoever was making the prototype would actually, understand all the nuances of, for instance, seam work. And um, there's a lot of components. So each of the cups has its own cincher inside of it. So it works almost like a like a corset. Um, and so some of those details I wanted to make sure didn't get lost. So I uh, found a factory that I thought was going to be my long-term factory. And we <laughs> made all the prototype. And I put a note out on um, a Facebook group essentially for the, I'm in San Francisco for the Bay area that said, I know this is a very weird request, but I'm looking for women between these sizes to come test prototypes and give me your feedback. And so I had 165 women all show up at wow. my door. Wow. Uh, to, yes. Right. That's so pretty cool. Great way to get it, great way to get, um, you know, real feedback, not from friends well, and family, you know, yeah, saying, oh, it's yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Well, that was so important. Also, you know, I mean, most brands use what's called fit models. And for me, if you put 38 women, I'm sorry, if you put 10 women who are all 38, (laughs) triple D next to each other, they're going to look and they're going to hold different based on their age, based on their, their ethnicity, based on if they've had kids, if they've not had kids. And so I really wanted to see what the difference was and get their input on it. Um, as well as see what happens when they moved around and, and, um, so it was the best type of focus group you could possibly do, but it was also, we were designing real time. So all the feedback that we were getting, all those nuances went back into design uh, as we were going into getting ready to ramp up into production. Wow. 
and so you got some good feedback, uh, which is a great way to, 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 to kind of almost like pre-sell the product and validate, right? And so you yep. go to production. What did that look like at first? How did you know what you were going to make and how you were going to, how many you were going to need? Well, that's a great story. So there's two, there's two pieces to the story. One is I launched on Kickstarter and I knew nothing about Kickstarter. I am, um, (laughs) I am, that is a world that I did not come from. And so I put it out there and we had 240,000 people come through the Kickstarter page within the first three weeks. Wow. With no paid spend. And, um, right. It was was like, that's crazy. Wow. Such a crazy, crazy shock to me. I had asked for $20,000. We raised that in 82 hours. So, um, so that gave me the push I needed. And at that same time, uh, the factory I'd mentioned before, we started going down the route of ramping up for production and lo and behold, they came back to me and said, just kidding. We actually don't want to do this product anymore. What? Oh, the oh the, my gosh, the, the manufacturer who was going to be your long-term partner, right? Right. They had my money. They had my patterns. They had everything. Oh, and no. so, yeah. So I essentially had to start from scratch, which oh. um, was devastating. But the silver lining on it was I was able to, um, again, because of my background, build a factory in Sri Lanka that was, um, that brought in a lot of the sustainable, uh, efforts sure. that I really have always wanted to use in manu- in manufacturing. And so while that was not on my initial phase, one of my business plan, um, it kind of escalated things and it's turned out to be the most beautiful relationship that, um, you know, we're still working together four years later. And, um, and again, I'm really proud of the fact that we use solar and wind and I don't get to talk a lot about it with the story because there's so much the product, but it is something that is such a big ethos of our brand. That's really, really cool. Um, and you know, every, every startup, every new brand has its hiccups, right. And, and highs and lows and lessons learned. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, so you get some product going, you had initial Now, did you know like what sizes you were going to make or like how you were going to launch and what colors and all like, what did that look like in terms of the initial launch? Yeah, so 80% of sales in any sort of sportswear and in bras, et cetera, it's all black. So I said, <laughs> Got it. Inventory, let's just go black. Right. Yeah. Right. So inventory kills companies. And as much as I wanted to come out with tons and tons of bright colors, right. I wanted to make sure that we got the product right first. And to this day, we still only have black. So our size range goes from a 28C to a 56L, and um, which makes us the most body inclusive line on the market. Wow. And Yeah. And so, but that also means that there's a lot of engineering that goes. So in a typical um, apparel line, you do what's called grading, which is each size up is going to be a percentage larger. Well, because of, again, weight distribution and the way that that our bodies are built and and the different sizes of breasts, um, we couldn't grade. And so that's where that, that initial feedback from the um, testers came in where we were able to then continuously modify as the product scaled up and scaled down. Um, We're about to launch a 60M, uh, which is again, um, a size that most sports bra companies don't care. I don't think, yeah, I don't think any in the U S do. I think if you wanted uh, you'd have to go to a brand that is not a U.S. brand. Wow. Amazing. Um, So, okay. So, and then, 
as you launched, was there a point of which you were like, and was it e-commerce? Was it in stores? What that look like? And then was there a point where you're like, okay, this is actually going somewhere? <laughs> so, yeah. So we launched to this day, the majority of our business is all on our own website. We've done partnerships. We've done pop-ups. So pre-pandemic, we were doing pop-ups, multiple pop-ups a month uh, in key secondary and, and tertiary markets. So places like Nashville, places like Atlanta, you're, where you're right. located, Thank you. <laughs> uh, Oakland, California, Detroit, Michigan, which is where I'm originally right. Michigan from. State grad. Absolutely. Go green. Um, <laughs> so looking at some of those places that had, um, markets that were, that were underserved, um, where we could actually come in and make a big splash with the pop-up. Uh, we started doing pretty frequently. And within those pop-ups, we started to actually work with companies like Macy's and REI and a couple of other big brands, Title IX, uh, to create some partnerships. Um, and again, with the ultimate goal, just to reach as many eyeballs as possible and, and to save the world two boobs at a time. Uh, and so it was a it was a great business model. It was a very resource heavy business model. And then, as we all know, the world shut down. Right. Um, and that meant that those retail partnerships all went away. Um, wow. And and unfortunately, uh, still to this day, have not come back. Which has been, uh, you know, a, I would say there's a, a blessing in disguise in some ways. Um, because more and more women um, were at home working out or at home looking for a comfortable solution. And so our sales skyrocketed um, after those first couple months wow. of shutdown. And mainly it was all word of mouth. I mean, while we do uh, some online advertising and such, um, it was it was people were coming back and buying three, four, five bras at a time, buying them for their, uh, you know, for their siblings, buying them for their friends. And, um, and so our community continued to grow and continues to this day to thrive. Wow. That's amazing. And what a really cool, cool story. I, I love to hear, you know, how COVID shifted or refocused or changed uh, strategy. That's so fascinating. Um, and how have you reached your consumer? You said word of mouth, any marketing or, or has it been kind of like, you know, the consumer talks about your product, they share it on, on social, others learn about it. What does that look like? So we've got a couple of different aspects to our marketing. One is, you know, with the pop-ups, it was great because we're very localized. Right. And we have we have a, a team of about 50 brand ambassadors. So these are our loyalists who found us because uh, they tried the product first. And um, so when we go into a, a local market, usually it's great because we've got a brand ambassador who can help us to be, uh, you know, to organize and to be a local cheerleader. Uh, so that's one aspect. Another aspect is we do, um, you know, we do utilize Facebook and Instagram for sure. advertising uh, purposes. And then, you know, and then the third one is has been um, again our our email marketing, which has been great because there's, you know, I, if you look at the content that's out there, um, most fashion brands are still targeting. I would say a, a certain section of the population that, um, 
you know, that they're continuously marketing to over and over and over again. But our goal is really to empower all, you know, empower women of all shapes, sizes and stages of life to feel good while they're moving. So, you know, because we're talking specifically about breasts, um, you know, uh, there's different times, whether it be in puberty or pregnancy or uh, perimenopause um, or a weight loss journey, or, or in this case, right, massive amounts of stress that we all felt in the past year and a half. Um, that's usually when somebody's seeking out um, information or seeking out a product. And so we've really been able to stay authentic to our community and uh, doing that through content. Love that. So looking ahead, things opening up, markets sh- you know, evolving back, um, a lot of growth happening, retail reopening. What do the next six to 12 months look like for you guys? Like, What are the keys to success? So the keys to success are for us to stay the course. So I think, you know, while it would be great to have some some retail partnerships, what I found has been um, that most of our consumers are not used to walking into a retail store. And so training, um, you know, training this section of the population to, uh, you know, to shop online, teaching about sizing, teaching about, uh, you know, we have a, we obviously, we do any free returns and exchanges. Sure. But- it's been a great way for us to interact with the community with I'm sorry with our with our our consumer um, without necessarily having to rely on a salesperson. I'm gonna I'll tell a story and I'm gonna leave out the major retailer's name. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we'll all guess, right? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, in your in your home city of Atlanta, um, <laughs> we did a, we 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 were in a major retail presence there and. When I walked in to you know to take a, a scan of the um, of the store within the store, um, they had two men working in our department, and um, and one of them uh, made a comment about our marketing. And if you look at our if you look at our Instagram, you look at our website, you'll see that it is very 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 focused on diversity and on. Um, and it's very tasteful, but it's sports bras. Sure. And uh, and he didn't feel strongly that you know that that um, women would resonate with the the folks that we were showcasing in our marketing materials. And um, you know if you if you can't control the narrative, uh, you have to rely on things like packaging, or you have to totally. rely on things like marketing. And in this case, uh, it was is the antithesis of what the brand stands for. It's really tough to control the associate, right? I mean, and or to train these associates in retail stores, right? I mean, that's the right. kind of legacy retail. Cha- one of the legacy retail challenges is there's, there's especially in a unknown store that has multiple brands, there's no way for the associate to know all of them. And then they have an opinion. And like, if that's what they're telling to the consumer or even giving off that impression, it can, it can impact your sales. Exactly challenging. So what did you do with that when you were there? So, you know, I mean, I, I sat down with all the associates and I gave them the founder story. I gave them, you know, cause it's interesting, right? Because, um, I, I developed the product for me, uh, you know, and, and, uh, so there's a lot of different ways that we could go about ta- telling the story. One is talking about the science behind it and the engineering behind it and why each little piece of that bra exists you know what what the purpose is um a second thing would be with humor because 
let's just face it, boobs are funny. (laughs) Uh, And then, but then the third one is really, you know, again, the story of most women being frustrated with the lack of, of options that are out there. Sure. Um, And so that became, you know, I, I tried to uh, give them because I had the benefit of sitting face to face, uh, give them the story and give them the information and hope that it translated. Um, but in the meantime, you know, put a focus back on really um, our bread and butter, which is our online store. Do you think boobs are like funny more to guys or girls or is it like a guy problem? You know what I mean? Or is it like, Oh, I think <laughs> boobs are funny to everybody. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they, they, you can't help but laugh when you didn't talk about it. I and mean, guys don't but I know, but I think it's them. guys. They don't understand any right. of it, you know, and you I didn't think women say. thought it was funny. I don't know. I, oh my God. We talk, we're, I mean, like, again, our sense of humor is going to be a little different. Like we're going to talk about the fact that as you know, as you get older, they become less about a, a sexualized piece of your body. They become a feeding machine or they become a, you know, something that you have to roll up like socks to put into your bra, you know? So, I mean, Again, there's there's no matter what aspect you look at it, there's humor in, sure. in boobs. Sure, a, a feeding machine. Yeah, I don't. I don't never. I had never heard that. I mean, I know. I get it. I get it. <laughs> the visual. Um, <laughs> so cool. Uh, hey, listen. I love to ask our our guests, audience. I love to ask our guests. Um, you know, some of the biggest lessons learned. You've had some experiences, the highs and lows and whatnot of launching a brand and bringing it to market. What would be two or three pieces of advice you'd share with our audience as you think back over the time and, and, and you know, you're a couple years in, you got a good runway in front of you, but what would be some advice you'd share? So I would say like the biggest piece of advice that I, that I would share with anybody who's ever deciding to uh, go into a business is stay the course. I think it's really easy to, um, you know, even in our case, you know, our, our product line, our pipeline is pretty robust and pretty filled with new products. But um, just knowing how difficult it was to get one product market, um, it, it, made, it made me essentially say, okay, well, what realistically can we bite off and what can we do well? And if it didn't fit into that, let's not do it or let's put it on a, a, you know, a piece of paper for later. So that'd be one piece of advice. The second piece of advice is um, stay neutral. So the highs should all be celebrated and the lows should be learning experiences, but they're going to happen with such frequency that, um, that, you know, you don't want to spend too much time on either side of it. Um, and then the third piece is surround yourself with people who are way smarter than you are that have been there, that have done it. Um, because if without mentorship and without having those resources, I think, um, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. It's really, really cool. Love that. Share with our audience where they can find you, buy your product, connect with you and whatnot. Absolutely. So uh, on our website is www.bloombras.com. That's B-L-O-O-M. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Technically, we're on some of the other social medias as well, like TikTok. <laughs> but uh, but uh, those are the ones I understand. Right. If others want to use it, that's great. But <laughs> that's great. Exactly. I totally get it. Um, cool, Elise. So great. I mean, you, you got, like I said, cool brand. Cool. I mean, you done, you're so successful in what you've done. And, um, and we want to have you back on down the road. I hope you'll come back and share some more of your stories with us as you continue to grow. I would love to. 
<laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.